Welcome to the Writer's Block Party Podcast with your hosts Meredith Bond and Prue Warren, where they discuss every aspect of a writer's life, from the craft of writing and editing, through publishing and marketing, and finally into building a global publishing empire. Here is Mary and Prue. Hello and welcome to the Writer's Block Party podcast. I am Meredith Bond. I am the experienced author of our duo and I am here as always with... I'm Prue, I'm Prue Warren and I am the less experienced author. Delighted to be here. And Prue, today we have a very special guest. I am very excited to be speaking with Michael Leron. He and I have known each other for probably a few years now. He's extremely active in the Alliance of Independent Authors. And we've, so we've been emailing, we've known each other via email and via the Alliance. The, uh, it's called Ally or, or, or Ally. How do you, yep. how do you, how do you yep, pronounce it, Michael? It's, it's, al- it's Ally. That's what I thought. I always thought. Yep. Ally. Just think about it like this. Uh, you want an ally when you're self-publishing, right? Ah, exactly. that's lovely. Listen, exactly. I want to put in the show notes the link to ally too. A-L-L-I dot com. Yeah, it's allianceindependentauthors.org. Allianceindependentauthors.org. Good for no you. of. It's Alliance of the Independent Authors, but of is not in the site name. So I'll put it in the yes. show notes. Thank you. So the thing is about Michael is that he is just one of those people who does everything. And it just totally blows my mind. Michael, not tell us what it is that you are doing. Well, I'm just trying to live my best life, I, I would say. <laughs> I So the, the spiel I usually give is I am the author of over 80 books at the time of this writing. Holy Science fiction, books. fantasy, self-help books for writers. And I've managed to build a writing career while working a full-time job in the insurance industry as an executive, um, raising a family. So I have a dog, a rabbit, a turtle, two chickens, eight-year-old daughter, a wife, (laughs) and uh, all the responsibilities of a husband, son, father, all that. And while attending law school classes in the evenings, which thankfully just graduated last year, but I've somehow managed to do all all of that while building building a writing career that I'm really proud of. And so um, in a nutshell, that's kind of all the things that I, I kind of do on a regular basis. In addition to, to working with Ally. I'd say that's a pretty big nutshell. That's a yeah. pretty big nutshell. Now, when Mary said that she was going to ask you to come and talk to us, she said, this is a man who knows how to organize his time. This is a man who can who can prioritize and put things in the right order. And the list you just gave I think it was very telling in that you started your your list of your family members in an upward scope of who deserves your biggest priority, right? You started out with small animals and then the eight-year-old and then the wife. It's very interesting. Your brain, you're an ordered man. You're an orderly guy. Wow. No one has ever read me like that. That's, that's, that's interesting. I, I'm kind of taken aback by that. Well, thank you. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> I feel like scored a point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I try. You, how, I try. Yeah. Well, it, I think that's clear. So, 
I'm, you know, it's funny. I was just saying before we got on that my brain is a little distracted right now. There's a lot going on in, in the world, right? Social media and abortion rights and school shootings. There's just a whole lot that's going on that makes me wake up tired. Every morning I start out tired and it's been three weeks really since I was able to write anything serious on the novel that I'm working on, which feels to me like I'm failing myself. So I'm so happy to have you here, Michael. Give us the word. Give us your wisdom. Help me. Yeah. I mean, the first thing is there's a lot in the world right now to be upset about, and there's a lot to be worried about. And the last three weeks, at least here in the United States, with school shootings and shootings and other things, I mean, you've got the Ukraine war, you've got you know, the fact that we're still in the pandemic. And how I've approached it is I like to think of I like to think of myself as a sponge. And a sponge sucks in everything. If you put water on a sponge, it'll suck up water. If you put soap on a sponge, it'll suck up soap. If you put news on the sponge, it'll suck it up. And so I try not to start my day with news. I, I, I admit I still do watch the news probably more than I should, but I just try to cut stuff out of my life that brings in negative energy. And I, I just try to focus on what's important. And I'm not always good at it, but you know, I do find that current events do zap my energy as well. And so I've had to learn over the years that the world's not going to end if I don't check the news this morning. Are you sure about that? <laughs> the world does. Well, if if, if it does, world. if it does, you know, I'll 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 die ha- happily happily blissfully ignorant, <laughs> which is okay, <laughs> which is okay because it means I'll probably be in the middle of a novel when the uh, the nuclear explosion hits. <laughs> but that's okay. At least at the end of the day, I was able to focus. But okay. yeah, it's it's it, th- these are these are tough times right now, and it's and it's uh, all of us collectively are going through a lot. And it's okay to not be okay right now. And I think that that's that's something that people it's it's hard to hard to internalize because we feel like in this culture we have to always be productive, like we constantly have to be doing something every day. That's how I'm wired. But I, I yeah. think th- the way these times are right now, it's okay if you're not as productive as you were. I think the focus, though, the key is one: how do you reorient yourself? Two: how do you connect with your why? Meaning, what? Why are you? Why are you a writer? And why is it important to you? And then three: just never forget that writing is something that we can always return to. It's something that's there for us as a release valve. And I think if you if you keep that in mind and remember it. It makes the writing that much sweeter when you do get to it. Oh, that is beautiful. Really. I mean, those are beautiful words and I'm writing them down as fast as I can. So literally, I. you know, so I've got I. my pen in my hand um, <laughs> because I think connecting with the why is so essential. It's so easy for us to forget why we are doing this, mm-hmm. why we are writers, who we're writing for. And, and why we're doing this. Yeah. I remember a few years ago, uh, my daughter, when she was really young, she just had a birthday party and she woke up, she got all tons of toys, you know, grandparents and stuff. She was like four years old. She got tons of toys and she woke up first thing in the morning at like seven o'clock. And I remember I was laying on my couch. I was kind of half awake. I remember her sitting in the middle of her 
like mound of toys and just trying to figure out which one to play with. And I remember it brought her so much joy just to remember all the different toys that she had, just the, the light, the, the way her face lit up when she saw the little giraffe in the corner of the room. And I remember that. And I thought that is just such a wonderful way to think about the writing. Like when I, when I think about writing and I'm in a tough spot, I just try to remember the look on my daughter's face. And I try to remember that energy, you know, and that keeps me going. And so I, I it's easy to forget that in a time like this, but the reason we, the reason we do it is because we really enjoy putting those words on the page and we enjoy that rush of emotions, uh, good and bad sometimes. Right. But it's, it's just a beautiful thing. And so never forget that during, during a time like this, because I find personally, sometimes that <laughs> sometimes it can be the only thing that keeps me going. This The word you use that has resonating in me like a bell is energy, because I think that more and more as I age, the energy you bring to something is what not only makes it uh, resonant for you, but also sort of inspires other people around you. And obviously, Michael Aron, you got the energy because I'm feeling better and better as you speak. Do you have any miraculous sensei words of wisdom on the subject of finding energy when you feel so fatigued by everything? I, you know, I, I would say it, energy is, I mean, there's only, you only have a finite amount of energy. And if you pick the right projects for the right reasons, then energy will never be a problem for you. You know, so like when I write my, when I pick my novels, I pick the novels that I'm most passionate about. I pick the novels that I feel like I'm going to learn something from, or I feel like are going to be a blast sitting in the chair to write. And once I start the novel, it's, I, I don't really have any problems with it. So I, I think it's it's really about what are you passionate about and 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 are you gonna have fun? Because if you will, then it, it it the process goes so much smoother. Because if you're if you're writing to market or you're picking books that you know maybe you don't have the passion around and you're, maybe you're doing it for the money or maybe you're doing it for other reasons or you're doing it to build a readership, but you're not really crazy about the genre you're writing in, it becomes 10 times harder. And the yeah. and, and and then you become intensely aware of the energy because there's a disconnect. And I've always just tried to be intentional about the projects that I pick and pick the projects that I think are going to be fun. And that's honestly been the secret to to why I've been so prolific and am able to to keep so much stamina. It, it, actually, I, I'm I'm happy with what you've said because I have found it to be true that energy spawns energy, and you can in some instances, fake that smile until you're happy again. Sometimes if you just pretend you have the energy, you may discover, you know, that you've got the energy back. Yeah, that's true too. And, and again, it comes back to connecting with your why. One of the stories that I tell a lot is back in 2012, I, I had a near-death experience. I was out um, on a nice dinner with my wife and fell ill with what I thought was food poisoning. And I ended up in the hospital for a month because, and, and it was pretty serious <laughs> and I, I got out. Okay. Well, I'm okay. It? it was, um, I'll spare you the gastrointestinal details, but, um, I, uh, I caught, uh. I caught an infection. And then when I was in the hospital, I caught another infection and oh, the doctors God. almost didn't catch it, um, in, until it was too late. Oh, and so like that experience made me realize life is short. And so when I think about writing and all the things that I want to accomplish, I just try to ask myself when I wake up in the morning, what does the picture of good look like today? And, some and that picture is always different. 
You know, like right now I, I, I'm going through a tough time because my wife is dealing with a chronic illness. So my picture of good doesn't look the same as it looked six months ago. Sure. But, but if there's one thing I can do, just one thing to get either get words on the page or touch someone or try to help someone who's having a, having a bad day, then I see that as a success. And that adds up over time. And to your point earlier, Prue, about energy breeding energy, it's just, it's momentum. And momentum is such a, such an important thing that you can build over the years. And, and all it takes is just a few steps every day, which is what's awesome about it. I love your, I love your question. The wake up in the morning question. Uh, I love that. What does the picture of good look like? I think that's a brilliant thing to visualize in the morning, but I also love that you added the word today because it's not going to be the same day to day. No, it's never the same. You know, I have days where I get more done than I ever, I have, I have some days where I get done, I get more done than I can get done in a week. Like, it's just like right. superhuman. I, I get 10,000 words down on the page. I get a book published. You know, I do a podcast interview, like all on the same day. And then the next day could be nothing. <laughs> you know, I, I, I could have a, a big goose egg for the day or, you know, fall down with a cold or something. And, and so it, the, the picture is always shifting. And that's okay. I, I think a lot of people are easy to beat themselves up when they, maybe you've got yeah. a writing streak for a few days or a few weeks, and then yeah. ah, you know, you you take you take a goose egg, and it's okay. I try not to be emotional about it. I just pick myself up and and move on to the next day. And I know that the law of averages will work out for you over the long term. So maybe you wrote zero words today. Maybe you write a thousand words tomorrow, two thousand words the next day. None of that matters. What matters is that at the end of the year, consistently, depending on how much you wrote, that's the number that you focus on because that's the number that you'll be proud of at the end of the year. So you have to have faith that that the day with the goose egg, the day where nothing has happened, is just one among many. You just have to have faith that you'll be able to pull yourself out of the slump and that there will be more productive days to come. I love your use of the word faith, Prue. It's not faith, it's certainty. Oh, because, oh. because, and, and, it's, and it's not, and it's not to be arrogant. It's just that I know that no matter what happens, you know, as long as I'm breathing, as long as I have the mental capacity, I know I'm going to sit down in the chair the next day to do something, you know? And I know because I've been doing this for almost a decade, I know that the law of averages always works out in my favor. So I've had periods in my career where I didn't write for a month, maybe two months, maybe longer. And I still had you know, six to eight books at the end of the year. So it, it, it is about faith, but it's also about knowledge, getting the data about yourself and knowing, knowing how you show up. Because at the end of the day, if you keep at it, it's, it's not a matter of faith. It's, 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 it's a matter of fact that you're going to have momentum. We spoke with right now, clearly Kathy. I'm ready. We spoke with Kathy Seidel um, about a month ago, Kathy, Kathleen Gillis Seidel. And she said something that that resonated with me and and something that you just said reminded me of it. Um, She said that we don't write to change lives, but to change an afternoon. I love that. That's a great saying. I love that. Isn't that wonderful? And (laughs) and keeping I I have it on my phone as, you know, in a, a sticky note on my phone so that I can always remember 
what I'm doing. And I, mm-hmm. that's, that's what I'm doing. It is one of, one of my whys yeah. is to, to turn somebody's afternoon into a good thing, into making their day into a good day. Yeah, oh my God, can, we can be a part great. of the picture of good. Yeah. What does well, good look like today? One that's, a, that's exactly it. Change someone's afternoon because you know what? A reader is going to remember that you changed their afternoon. And then yeah. they're going to buy your next book because they're going to remember that afternoon. Exactly. Yeah. Such a great, that's such a, that's, that's great. That's on, it's on the footer of my newsletter. Now I say that to everybody I write a newsletter to, because that resonated with me too. It's, it, it takes away the pressure and goes back to just being fun. You don't have yeah. to correct all these problems. You just have to have a good time. Just have a yeah. good time. There's not enough in the world. Michael, what do you use um, a planner? What are you? What are the actual mechanics of you checking things off your to do list? Yeah, I don't use a planner, uh-huh. and, and I, I I have tried over the years to to use planners. I I used to have physical planners that I tried. I used to have like digital things, and I just it never works out for me. So what I do is I usually during the week I usually wake up about five thirty in the morning. And that's be- already, it's, it's the already time. I've got a problem with your plan. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, you could, you could invert this. So, so you okay. could, you could, you could invert this too, if you're a night owl, but okay. I, I wake up at five 30 in the morning usually. Um, and that's, that's the time where I, I'm, I'm usually the house is quiet. I can focus, I can concentrate. And I usually have an idea of the most important thing that I need to do for that day, whether it be finishing a chapter in the book, Maybe I need to uh, update a page on my website, whatever that looks like. I try to accomplish the most difficult thing for my day by breakfast. And then my thought is, well, if I can accomplish the most difficult thing, then everything else just kind of falls into place, right? So I usually am writing between 5.30 and 7.30-ish. And then it's time to kind of get my daughter ready for school, get ready for work. And then I, I, I'm fortunate enough to work from home, so I'll, I'll log into work and I'll work throughout the day and, and kind of be at work, be done. And then it's usually after work, I'm usually getting my daughter from school, taking care of the pets and spending family time, dinner time, all that stuff. And then usually once it's time for the family to start going to bed, I'll usually stay up a little bit later and accomplish some emails and, and things like that. So as far as mechanics, I, I'm more of an improviser. I just try to keep my email inbox at zero as much as possible. <laughs> and I have a hit list of just a couple of things that I, I know I need to accomplish every day. But my North Star, I, I have basically three strategic priorities in my business. The first is to become a world-class content creator. The second is to become a data and technology-driven writer. And the third is to become the writer of the future. So whenever I'm, whenever I'm making decisions on what I should be doing and how I should be spending my time, it's probably in one of those three areas. And that helps keep me focused. Okay. So that's, you've got a lot going on here. I'm just thinking about how I've heard, I've heard of people who really do write what they think is hot at the moment. It's not what they want to write. It's they write to the genre that's hot at the moment, which I can't understand why you would do it. But your concept of being a data and tech writer, that's not the same thing. You're not, you're not, you're not doing the latest trend. You're not doing the hottest no. thing. You're just explain what that means. Yeah. Data and technology. I mean, you and Mary just had a great episode um, 
a, a few months ago with um, with Chuck, the cybersecurity specialist, right? Yeah, yeah. That that's kind of where I'm where I'm where I'm, I'm headed. I, I'm more focused on what are the new technologies, what are the things that authors need to do to protect themselves, because we are living in an increasingly more technologically driven society. And if you look at the processes of most authors, it's quite manual. Like we have technology that we can use, but there's so much more that we could be doing. So I'll, I'll give you an example. I was able to figure out a way to take all my sales reports from all of my different retailers and wrap them up into a, a report, right? So I was able to use basically some kind of complicated programming. I hired someone to do that for me, <laughs> but I was able to take my Amazon reports, my Kobo reports, my Apple reports, my uh, drafted digital reports throw them into a little meat grinder, and it would spit out a, a report that shows me to the penny how much money I made for all of my books in a particular country, at a particular retailer, at a particular point in time. That allowed me to figure out, okay, which of my books are doing the best? Which of my books should I put more ads toward? Where are some bright spots? Which of my books have dropped off in sales? That just wow. gives me a lot of data that I can use to say, okay, Okay, maybe here here's here are the different types of ads that I need to think about buying now. So looking for opportunities with data is I think critically important and increasingly important for the authors of the future because there's we're just getting bombarded with different opportunities, right? I mean, yeah, Google Google Play Books just re- released their auto uh, auto narration tool where you can now create audio AI, AI audiobooks. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's the sort of thing I'm playing into with technology. How do how do I leverage that? What does that look like? What does the process of creating an AI audiobook look like? So that I can have have an ebook, paperback, hardcover, large print, and AI audiobook on day one. You know, those sorts of things are the things I'm thinking about when I think about data and technology. I am the novice author here. The list you just gave is like my head is exploding. I understand. There's a lot. There's a lot. This is my apprenticeship. I am learning how to do this. You're at a different level than me, man. <laughs> Here's okay. Here's my here's my here's my confession to you. I gave up the news. I don't watch Rachel Maddow anymore. She's not even there anymore. I I stopped watching the news, and it made my life better. I figured I would get my news from the New York Times or something online. I'm beginning to realize that I have a social media addiction. That I every morning when I wake up, you're off writing and taking care of your daughter. I'm scrolling through Facebook, which is just pissing me off, right? It's just annoying me and I can't get away from it. There's a source of negativity. I don't know if I can give it up. What, do you, what are your thoughts on social media? Yeah, I don't use social media that much. I mean, I, I use Twitter occasionally, but I've all but avoided Facebook for the reasons that you mentioned, Prue. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it just, it, if, if you can't give it up, you can't give it up, but you almost have to compartmentalize the experience. And I, I, I don't know how to do that, but yeah, it's tough. I mean, especially when it's a, a way you can connect with your friends and family and, yep. you know, and sometimes yep. they're the ones that are driving your uh, anger and rage <laughs> as, you, <laughs> as, you, as you doom scroll. And, you know, you got a family member that shares a different political opinion than you that you didn't know they had that sort of thing, you know, yeah. but um, yeah, I, I just, I, 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 it was tough, but I, I had to just cut myself off of social media. Because that was not helpful for my mental Interesting. health. Interesting. I get most of my publishing news through social media. So there are a couple of groups that I keep track of 
where people post what's the latest thing that's going on in publishing. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what I read. And you know, I'll I'll flick through a little bit of what my friends are doing, but mainly it's just I look at a couple of publishing groups and that's it. Yeah. I used to I used to follow publishing groups and I I found that they all kind of go through this weird timeline of they start off amazing and then the toxicity comes in and I I just I I can't even look at those anymore honestly. I mean there's a there's there's a few private groups that I probably will pop into from time to time but yeah, I, it's just my personal preference. I'm not saying other people should should or should so, not do it, but Well, how did you know about Google Books doing the AI? Uh, they, I found out about it on a newsletter. They sent out a newsletter to all of their people who are in the program. Pretty sure that's how I found out about it. it. And if and if I didn't find out that way, I would have found out probably because I listened to a few different podcasts mm-hmm. and some someone would have covered it. And I also follow some blogs um, where people would cover it. So I, I keep myself, you know, I'm sorry, I got dogs that are going. I heard that dog. Here. Yeah, I'm, I'm dog sitting today, so I got three dogs behind me. So, but yeah, so I, I I try to keep myself plugged in to to a few different places, so I know what's going on from a news perspective. I thought that's interesting that you curate your sources because it's very easy to not pay attention and just absorb everything that comes to you, and then yeah. there's that word toxicity. M- my energies are sapped by that. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. only so much you can do in a day, too. You know, it, and, and sometimes it's not the end of the world if you don't find out something breaking news, right? So, you know, a new tool or service comes out. Okay. It's not the end of the world that you, you don't find out till three months later. That's a good, that's a, that's a good reminder. That's an excellent thought. So you don't, you don't uh, hold yourself to a false schedule. You don't, you don't say I must do 5,000 words a week or whatever. You don't, you just let it go. I would, I would love to do that. And I have had periods where I've done that. So like when I'm actively writing, I will say, I want to try to finish this book by May 27th or, you know, March 1st. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. you know, most of the time I'm pretty successful with that, but I, I don't, I don't go too crazy over it because I know at the end of the year, I'm still going to have a pretty good year. So like, for example, this year, I think I've, I think I'm at seven books published uh, already. So it's May, it's May. It's May. It's May. So I'm, al- I'm already averaging, you know, more than a book a month and I haven't written every day this year. I mean, I've tried, but I haven't. So how long are your books? How long are your books? Uh, my novels are anywhere between 50 and 60,000 words Damn. lately. And my nonfiction books are usually between 20 and 35,000. So, yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of where I'm at. And I just, like I said, I just know that at the end of the year, I'm, I'm probably going to be over 10 books this year. And that's, I'm good with that. I'm happy with that. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so I can't, I, you know, I, like I said, I, that's why I try not to beat myself up too much. Um, because I know that at the end of the year, I'm probably going to be fine, but everyone has already released uh, nobody who's already released seven books in this year. And we're recording at the end of May. You don't get to beat yourself up. Everybody else gets to beat ourselves up. Attempting to reach your No, it's all relative. It's relative though. It's relative. So, so if you're at one book for the year, or if you're not even at a book for the year, everyone has their own progress lines. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I don't want people to compare themselves to me 
to think, oh, well, I'm not doing this, so I'm a failure. You know, I, that's not my message. It's that everybody can do what they can do, and you compare yourself to yourself. And at the end of the day, that's the only thing that matters. I think it's very interesting that you're taking that you take such a big, long range view instead of looking at how much you've written the day or how much you've written that week. You're looking at how much you've written that year, which is a really long stretch of time. And yeah, so, I'm, I'm really looking at how much I've written in my lifetime. Whoa, you know, yeah, man. Um, Bar, Bar, like Bar, you're familiar with Barbara Cartland? Yes, yes, of course. Okay, so she wrote, I think, 723 books, wow. which oh is God. crazy, which is crazy, right? So it's like, okay, if I do the math, if I'm at my current pace, maybe I can beat Barbara Cartland by the time, you know, <laughs> assuming, assuming I live to be 99. You know, she started writing about the same age I did. So it's like, okay, you know, maybe I can do that. And it's it's kind of cool to have a goal to race toward. So, you know, it, when you keep things in, wow. when, you keep, when you keep things in a longer perspective, you tend not to stress out about stuff as much. You know, it, it's, it's, yeah, you do. Yes, you, you do. You really you just sakes. don't stress Wait, let out. Let me ask you, let me, let me, let me focus on something that as a new writer has absorbed so much of my attention over the last year or so. And that is you, you touched on it briefly, marketing. I mean, you're producing seven books in the first five months of the year, and you're also running ads and pursuing marketing. And I mean, that's, that's the big deep as far as I'm concerned. There's so much to learn about marketing. Yeah. And, and you don't learn it all at the same time, you know, marketing, you, you would be shocked how little time I spend marketing. I do spend time doing it. But I try to focus on the things that will give me the most amount of return for the least amount of effort. So spending a lot of time on pay-per-click advertising, for example, Facebook or Amazon ads or you know, trying to get book bubs, those sorts of things. But I'm not out there constantly actively promoting because I know that you know, my, it, it's, it's easier for me to just release new product and focus on getting the fundamentals right. So making sure that my covers are, are legit, making sure that my book descriptions are the best they can be, making sure I understand where the books fit in genre, where they fit in the market. That's the kind of marketing I spend my time doing. And you know, it, it, it's, it's worked out for me so far. Do you have a news list, newsletter? I do, but I don't use it nearly as much as I should. Really? <laughs> I really, really, I really don't. If if there was a law, you know, that uh, says Michael, you're going to go to jail if you don't email your newsletter this month, I'd be in jail. <laughs> I think I, I think maybe I email my people twice a year, wow. if that. And that's that's I can't even think of the last time I did it. And that's I know I should be doing more of that, but again, I just I'm I'm focused on creating product, connecting with readers as much as I can, and I'm just not I don't. I'm not a hard marketer like some folks are. Well, how do you co- connect with readers if you're not using your newsletter? I've got a YouTube channel and um, uh-huh. yeah, my YouTube channel definitely helps out with the, the writing side of things. And I probably could be doing more with my fiction. I actually just went through a rebrand for, with, my, with my fiction catalog. I made, a, I made a mistake a few years ago where I tried to bifurcate my pen names. So I had one pen name for one subset of fantasy another pen name for another subset of fantasy. And I, I think I split up my readers too much with that. Uh-huh. So I, I'm finding some ways to, to fix that. But yeah, my YouTube channel helps out a lot. I mean, I, I have pretty regular touch points with my audience with video and I do podcast interviews. And I mean, this is a way to connect with people. 
people hear hear what I have to say and they're interested in me and um, it, it works out pretty well. I'm interested in you. I find you highly inspirational. I'm going to, when we're, when we're, we're at, we at three minutes and three seconds to our goal. And I'm like, okay, when that's done, I'm definitely going to sit down and do some writing because how do I connect with my why? That's why that's what yeah. I want to do. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Another way I connect with readers is, you know, I, I make it a point to respond to every email that someone sends me. So whenever a reader of any of my books reaches out and says, Hey, I really enjoyed your novel. Thank you so much for writing it. Or people have questions about things. I always take it. I always take the time to respond. I usually respond within twenty-four to forty-eight hours, um, and that's that's a little unusual compared to a lot of authors. But the reason I do it is because those one-on-one connections are really, really important. Mm-hmm. I do as well, but I only have six hundred people on my newsletter list, so it's not so hard for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The more the more people you get, the harder it definitely gets. Yeah. But yeah, I, I've I've always tried to prioritize it because. I think people remember that because I, I think all of us as readers have sent an email to our favorite authors only to have it go into a black hole and not get acknowledged or anything like that. And I think readers remember those sorts of things. Douglas and, Adams wrote back to me once. I wrote to Douglas oh, Adams cool. and he wrote back and like, oh, now frame, I it, own frame him. it and put it on the wall. No shit. No <laughs> kidding. That's absolutely right. Do you use a newsletter lure? Do you, at the end of your books, just to say, if you, if you sign up for my newsletter, here's what you get. Yeah, I have a, um, a a library of books, so that you get you get three of my series starters if you join my email list. So mm-hmm. yeah, I only promote that at the end of books in the end of my series. So mm-hmm. at the end of my books, I really just want people to buy the next book in the series. That's so if they get to the exactly. So you have an end. You have yeah, a next so, book. Exactly. Yeah, I do have a next book. So, but if but if you know if you've only got one book, then yeah, definitely a newsletter lure. Uh, a lead magnet is really important. It's worked out really well for me. Okay. You're awesome, Michael Laron. Thank you so much. Mindy, uh, Mindy, Mary, have I, have I cut you off? Do you have questions that I am stepping on? No, I think, I think I'm good. I am still in awe of Michael. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. It's been great. And I know for a fact that Michael writes fantastic books for authors as well, because I have purchased a couple of them. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, I'm, if anyone's interested. I'm going to, too. Yeah, I you can check out my I... YouTube channel. It's Author Level Up is the name of it. Author Level Up? Say it again. <laughs> author? Author, author Level Up. Yep. Author You can find links to my books and YouTube videos and all that stuff. So. Okay, yeah, I do I'm writing app videos. Out your and, YouTube. Yeah, writing at writing advice and all that stuff. So I answer a lot of questions that people have for me too. Nice. And Michael is also, as we said at the beginning, really active in Ally. And I strongly, strongly support Ally and suggest that everybody join this group because it is the most supportive authors group any questions that you have michael is there to answer them uh joanna penn and oh what's her name there's so yep, many or, people ross yep lots or ross thank you it's, it's a big team yeah. it's a good team and there's there's lots of uh, really good information we've got a blog a podcast network uh, facebook community which is a which is a good facebook community they're not toxic at all um, everyone's <laughs> there to support each other um, help each other out. 
And yeah, um, yeah you can find out more allianceindependentauthors.org. I think that's important because I like the idea of curating what goes into my sponge, right? I don't want any more toxicity. I'm tired of it. It saps my energy. So the Alliance of Independent Authors is going to be a good option for me, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. I, if anybody has any questions, feel free to reach out. I'd be happy to answer them. You're very kind. You're very kind. Yeah. Um, Mary, next week, this we have, a, we have a podcast on the subject that is dear to my heart as a new writer, which is um, how to work with an editor. Uh, my editor, Matrice Hussey, has agreed to come on and talk to us about um, how you build a good relationship with an editor. And uh, Michael, my assumption is if you're writing that fast and with that much experience, you probably don't hire an editor. Is oh, I right? do. Oh, yeah, oh, I absolutely do. have. I have two I editors I work so. with. Yeah, there two editors go. I work with that I've built a really good relationship with. So, there you go. Um, yeah, working with an editor and, and having that relationship is really important. So do you have one editor for your fiction and one for your nonfiction? Yeah, I have, um, I have one, uh, I have an editor, my main editor, copy editor does both. Uh, oh, but okay. then I have a proofreader that I exclusively work with on my fiction. So, okay. so yeah, my copy editor sees everything that I do. Um, and then I've got a proofreader for my fiction just cause I, you know, it, it it's, it, you just definitely don't, you don't, you don't want as many typos and stuff to go through. See, this is what I think is really important. I think it's really important for indie authors. You have to have a proofreader. Otherwise, yep. you give us all a bad rep. You cannot avoid the proofreader. Don't do it. Don't do it. Oh, yeah. I, I completely agree. No. And you need both an editor, a copy editor, and a proofreader. Always. Agreed. Agreed. Now Agreed. I feel energized and proud. Right. <laughs> Michael, thank you so much for brightening my day. You have, you have, what, what does the picture of good look like today? Sounds like it's got you in it. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Michael. I'll talk to you next week, Mary. All right. Thanks, Prue. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. That's it for the writer's block party this week. We don't want you getting so drunk on knowledge that you can't drive your laptop safely. But next week we'll be here before you know it, so check out the website at thewritersblockpartypodcast.com. One word. That's where you can find our archive of past podcasts and a place where you can get in touch with Mary and Prue or ask questions for the next podcast. Write with joy, friends, and see you next week.